It's Movies, the podcast featuring Nick and Ezra Stein and their dad. Are you not entertained? 88 miles per Hasta la vista, baby. Welcome back to Movies, the podcast. My name is Nick Stein. I'm Ezra. And I'm their dad, Kevin. And we have a special guest on our podcast today, Stacy Stein. That's me, Stacy Stein. So, Stacy, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your uh, background in podcasting. This is my first day in front of a recording mic. Ooh. Nice. Well, we're excited to have you. Thanks for coming on the show. We've got a great topic today, but first, how's everybody been doing this week? Good. Okay. Good. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Today, for our podcast topic, we wanted to discuss original songs, soundtracks, and scores. So really, anything musical is on the table. If there's something interesting you want to talk about, we will go for it. I'd like to start off talking about scores, because I think that that's a, that's a good starting place, and then we can expand out if there's any specific songs. There's a lot of overlap between these topics as well. So as far as scores go, I'll start by asking... What are some scores that stand out to you guys as being especially good? And we'll start with our guest today, Mom. <laughs> oh, thanks. You put me right on the hot seat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, anything John Williams just makes me feel like you're in a really magical place. Just you hear, you hear just the first few notes, and you know that something special is going to happen. It really does feel like it has like a magical quality to it. Yeah, I, I think that he's uh, he brings the magic. Yeah. What about you, Dad? Yeah, I've got anything John Williams on my list here. <laughs> and you mentioned with our Spielberg podcast that you think Spielberg wouldn't be much. Well, he'd still be good, but he wouldn't be the same without um, John Williams, and I agree with that. I, I think that John Williams, his scores uh, – bring a lot to those movies that would be missing. If it, And honestly, like, he does have movies that John Williams aren't on them, and there is something missing, you know? They're still good movies, but it, you always wonder, like, what would it be like if John Williams had composed a theme for this one, you know? If I had to venture outside of John Williams, I would go with uh, Back to the Future. Who did the who did yeah, the score for Back to the Future? Do you know Alan Silvestri? But Rocky is also amazing. I was looking at the best and worst soundtracks or best and worst scores. Somebody had um, Rocky as one of the best, and then they had Rocky Four as one of the worst. But for soundtrack, yeah, yeah. I don't. I honestly don't know if that's correct or not because I've never. I've seen both those movies, but I've never actually considered that you know like I, I really like the because there's the theme for, song but then there's a lot more that goes into it other than just the theme you know well are we trying to keep we're keeping scores and soundtracks separate right well yeah, so I probably shouldn't have let me let me clarify clarify a little bit a score would be the music composed for the film so like even a theme song john williams does you know like the iconic motifs uh that all falls under score soundtrack would be like songs or needle drops that they throw in there right so yeah. eye of the tiger and and gonna exactly. fly now and hearts on fire those all fall those under soundtrack, soundtrack yeah but da -da 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 -da, that's the rock that is the yeah. score that's yeah. brilliant too well, we can circle back to rocky four well, when we 
talk about. Can, can you cut out my singing and just put the score in? I'm not cutting out no. any singing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if if you're lucky, I'll overlap them, but that's the most that I'll do. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ezra, I have yet to hear what you have to say on this. Okay. So I got I to gotta shout out John Williams as well. He's If there was a Mount Rushmore of composers, he would be on there for All sure. All right, three times in a row. He's not that good. He might. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> he's good. <laughs> he but is that good. Who else would be on your Mount Rushmore? I want to hear some uh, other I'm, people. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to throw out Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Very good. I think I, I like every score. What would composers. we know Trent Reznor from? Uh, he's probably more famous. I don't know. He's pretty prolific as a composer now, but he's probably more well-known for being the founder and kind of, for most of his career, sole member of Nine Inch Nails. And then in 2010, he switched over to composing <laughs> for the social network. So he started as this edgy uh, rock star. Yeah. And then, and then he, he became kinda, a composer. Yeah, he kind of got cooler. Well, if we're doing Mount Rushmore, you left one space open for Danny Elfman, right? Danny I Elfman. was going to go Elfman, with Danny yeah. Elfman. That's perfect. I was waiting for someone to say Danny Elfman. He's, yeah. he's amazing. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> See, this is why yeah. we brought you on the podcast. <laughs> I think you should go where Teddy Roosevelt, Roosevelt is. I think there's some kind of yeah. silliness to both of them. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I uh, guess I kind of filled up two spots by picking a duo. Yeah. Well, but no. it's one It's one score at the you'd end have of the to, day. You'd have to, like, cram them together. <laughs> so so we know that Trent Reznor did um, the his Nine Inch Nails project for the beginning of his career. But then when he switched over to movies, what kind of movies would we know him from? Um, his first score was The Social Network. Um, he's done Super every... good score. Yeah. He's, we'll play a little bit of that so you can... Yeah, I was actually trying to get you to pause so I could put some... <laughs> All right. Okay. The Social Network soundtrack. Okay. <laughs> and then since then, he's done every other David Fincher film. They've kind of collaborated a lot. Most recently, he did the score for the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, which was cool. Yeah. He also did another animated movie. He did um, Pixar's Soul. Yeah, and that was the most memorable part of that movie. Yeah, that's a little bit of a boring one. I honestly yeah. don't remember. What I, I, was I remember the score. It, I it remember, wasn't that great. Really, I, rem I remember, remember really liking the score. and then There's a lot the of good jokes. Pixar scores, though, and so maybe it's, like, good but not as good as, like, that's another avenue we could go down is, like, Inside Out has an awesome score, The Incredibles. Um, I was actually going to bring up Michael Giacchino a little bit. I hope I'm saying that right. I don't. Jack, I never knew Jack how Kino. to say that. But you know what else he did that I thought was awesome was the reboot of uh, Star Trek. That was a that really was, that good was him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to bring up. He did um, the Planet of the Apes. Which one? I don't know if he did all of them, but I know for sure he did the third one in the trilogy, oh, the War for the Planet of the Apes.
that's one of the only experiences. I mean, I've noticed like scores in movies before, but it's one of the only times I've been in the movie theater and I've actually like enjoyed the score almost more than the actual movie where like the movie was really good, but it almost felt like I was in a comp, like a concert hall and then also watching a movie. He also did the, all the music for the TV show Lost. Oh, I, I've never started Lost, which it's like very iconic, but Ezra's always trying to get me to um, watch shows that have been canceled. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I don't want to start I'm going to disagree with Ezra on this one. I'd, I wouldn't recommend even starting it. I would. It'll just disappoint. It will. It, I, liked, <laughs> I liked the way it ended. Okay. Yeah, you, you do that too. Where, I mean, like Firefly is one you want me to watch, which I actually think might be worth watching yeah, even though it gets thinking. canceled just because it does have a conclusion with the movie and it's a good show. Yeah. But then you I want me to watch one. like the Tron Uprising show and what other canceled shows have you tried? I don't let's, know. Let's stay on topic. Yeah, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use, <laughs> I'm gonna use Tron Uprising to kind of segue into another score. Oh, what, I know is, where you're going with yeah. this. Uh, the electronic music duo Daft Punk, who composed the score for Tron Legacy. Insert Tron Legacy sound <laughs> score here. <laughs> remember that score it's so awesome. it's so cool well you'll hear it when you listen to the I'll, episode i'll have to listen back to our own <laughs> podcast to hear what that one sounded i like. honestly want to listen back to it just to hear these scores because they're so awesome <laughs> i like the movie though the movie was, was good it's a cool movie it's a great movie so what are some scores we'll start again with mom and we'll go around the circle again what are some scores that you guys uh think are bad, bad. or are, are there any i have trouble thinking of any that are terrible uh, but. Go ahead, Stacy. Well, I'm not one that usually um, notices the score. I'm either just enjoying it passively or not until I rewatch the movie. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure what I didn't like. I'm sorry. No, I actually I think that's a good point because with scores like the the whole point is like a good score should go unnoticed or like. So when you do notice it and it's really good, that's one thing. But if you notice it and it's like taking you out of the experience. Um, that's like kind of the opposite of what the goal should be with the score. So the fact that you um, can't think of any just means that you've probably seen a lot of movies with good scores. I've actually been saving this one. Even though Ezra lives with us, I I wanted to wait to provoke him a little bit. Um, But one score that I didn't really like that much recently was the score for Dune. What? Oh my gosh! <laughs> what? How could you say that? You speak badly of Dune. Listen, I, that's I, I, okay. I like Dune. I do like Dune, but I I thought that score was just so jarring, and I know it was like intentionally so. It's the de- it's so the harsh desert cool. of Arrakis. It just, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I kind of had a headache it's, after I watched the movie. There's a so there's another cool. there's another uh, podcast called Song Exploder that like dissects music and they have an episode on the score for Dune. I'll send it to you after this and you can change your mind. Oh they okay. So <laughs> yeah. it's a persuasive effort to Well, to I change, don't know if it's persuasive like by the way, this is good and here are the reasons why, but like they take it apart in such a way that by the end you're bound to have some respect for it. I'll watch it. 
Yeah, I'm open. You'll watch the podcast episode? I'll watch what you send me to try to persuade me to change my mind. Um, I just remember I watched it with your mom in the theater, and I was kind of like, I'm starting to feel like I need a Tylenol or something. <laughs> um, however, it, isn't it the same composer that did The Arrival? It's Hans Zimmer. Yeah, I don't that, know if did was, he do Arrival. No, that was Johan. Oh, Johan that's a different guy. Yeah. Hans Zimmer is known for Interstellar. Okay. A lot of Christopher Nolan stuff. Um, he's also known for Megamind. He did a Gladiator too. I remember he did. But well, um, but there's Megamind. I just see that. I just see Dune and Arrival having similar strategies with having sort of like a discordant kind of. Mm-hmm combination of of sounds where it's not like your mom talked about how same director how john williams it's it's you know you're going to watch something magical i think the intention with those movies is to make you uncomfortable like in some way yeah and i think that kind of goes against what we were talking about earlier about how scores usually uh try to go unnoticed and try to blend in with the illusion of the movie to just sort of lift it and make it better without drawing too much attention to itself. But sometimes the opposite is true. Like I was sort of thinking along similar lines, but for Alfred Hitchcock's psycho, you know, it's got a very jarring sound, the stabbing sound. Yeah. However, I, I have to argue that with psycho, it, the sounds are the sound for the score is really understated until those key moments. Like when he gets to the top of the stairs mm-hmm. and spoiler alert, even though this movie's like, 70 years old he gets stabbed and then the soundtrack or the score gets really elevated and then it's supposed to be really jarring but with dune and arrival it like with dune especially it was really loud almost all the time and it's awesome and i like it <laughs> i don't know if it's like if it's maximum the volume the whole time i see what you're saying we're like maybe it's more active um other than you know sometimes scores just use it for those key moments and sometimes it's more in your face kind of jarring but i still do think there is a build there with dune where it's like starts out mysterious it's kind of building out this political conflict that's happening and eventually as it goes on i don't know is right you probably we've both seen this movie a lot of times but i'm trying to remember like i think when they get attacked on the planet the score really does yeah. kind of ramp up from that point on i think the first time it really gets loud is the sand harvester sequence Oh, with the worm? Yeah, the first time the worm shows up. <laughs> I love the worm. Man, I'm so I excited hoed. for part two. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> Anyways, uh, using the, uh, we were talking about how you said Psycho uses that sound as like a key moment. I was kind of thinking maybe we could talk about how certain moments, or sorry, certain musical phrases uh, in the music theory world, we call it a light motif, appears over and over again in movies. So like one could be the Back to the Future, you know, that little twinkle that appears. I like the one from Up. And that sound from Up comes up different places in different contexts. Like, for example, sometimes it's do, 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 and it's sad. And then other times it's like triumphant. You know, but it's the same. So, so what? I guess what I'm asking is, what are some other places where you've seen that in movies that you think are executed really well? Or, well, I, I don't want to get too technical, but you know how we have the diegetic sound, which is which is sound that's in the movie versus like one that's part of like the 
musical composition. Yeah. One that's more integrated into the movie is like the the keys on the on the one character in ET that's pursuing him where they're yes. constantly yeah. hearing the keys. Yeah. Is is that trying to remember is that like woven into the score at all or i i, I don't think it is that's why i was asking if no we but were talking about but yeah it's the same concept but sometimes the composer will actually it's kind of crazy that way where like the director will have some control of that and obviously they have control over the score as well but then there's um the composer actually has some storytelling responsibility there as well most of the ones I can think of are like character motifs, not mm-hmm. necessarily like what mom's talking about with the up or the yeah uh, the ringing, but like... Um, I was thinking this isn't technically a movie, but a TV show, but in Only Murders in the Building. And that shows up like every time there's a clue or anytime something interesting happens or it's basically just signaling like intrigue. This is your chance, Stacey. This is like one of your favorite shows on TV. (laughs) Oh, I love that show. But I was thinking about how integral a score is to any kind of suspense that Mm. um, oftentimes you'll hear sort of a heartbeat (laughs) and the heartbeat will get a little faster when, um, you know, it's it's really just the beat behind the score, but, but it kind of syncs with your heart and it makes your heart race. And, um, and all of a sudden you're really nervous that something's going to happen and nothing's really happened filmatically. Like like there's not something happening in the action, but it's coming and you can feel yeah. it in the music. And so it transforms like the absence of action into like the suspense of what is going to happen instead of just being like boring filler. Yeah. Right. And like you were saying, like sometimes the, the music will get sad before you know why it's sad. And then, and then, then you're like, oh no, what's happening? Ugh. I think people are inherently a little bit um, ADHD that way where they'll, they'll lose interest if you don't signal like, oh, this is important sometimes in movies because movies are like two hours long, you know, like you have to, the highs and the lows, you have to signal them. I think that's what a score is really good for. I guess I could use a score in my real life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I have a little ADHD. If, if my classes maybe had a little bit of music, you know, if they had like a light <laughs> motif that they played whenever it's like, this is going to be on the test. Ding, test music. Yeah. <laughs> this person feels sad. Be quiet now. <laughs> yeah. Ezra, what are some uh, some of those motifs that we talked about? Are there any that come to your mind? Um, I was thinking of the score for the TV show, Twin Peaks. There's one specific like theme that resp- that corresponds to the character, Laura Palmer, who is murdered in the first episode. Can you just sing it a little bit? No, you can no, play it. No, I'll get rid of it if you don't. No, I just I don't, I don't think you the thing will. is I'll play. No, the I'll play is, it. The thing is I don't trust you. Listen, to remove listen, Ezra, scene. I can't trust put it issues. in if I don't know what it sounds like. I'll I'll send you the song. Just just <laughs> tell me just like two seconds, please. I trusted him more I, than you do. Obviously. I swear I will take it out. Okay. I know. There's an old yeah. movie called M. Have you seen that, Ezra? Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah, seen that it's too. It's got like the. I've also seen Every time the killer is about yeah. to. Yeah, he's like walking behind them. Yeah. yeah. Scary. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, we. would also be useful in real life. Oh, yeah. there's a killer yeah. behind me. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be helpful? Have some warning, maybe? Yeah. There would be far fewer murders, maybe. If, or, or maybe just greater terror prior to the murder. It'd be a better fight. You know? <laughs> if, just equalize the If the police chief would get back to me about my idea of putting cowbells around the necks of every criminal, then maybe that would be a problem. Anymore. 
All right, we've talked a lot about uh, scores so far, but I am interested in soundtracks, including needle drops, and also original songs as well. So I'll actually start us off with this one. The first thing that comes to my mind when I think of original music is Justin Hurwitz. And this is kind of bridging the gap a little bit between score and soundtrack because he's done the musical La La Land. Um, But then he also has instrumental compositions, which are part of the story. So in a way, they could also be considered soundtrack. Uh, Like you were saying, they're diegetic, right? They're in the world of the film. Um, But then he also composes non-diegetic sound for the score. And he's got La La Land is one that comes to mind for me pretty immediately as far as original music goes. Um, What about you guys? City of Stars, exactly. Like he's done, he's done a lot of musicals. I haven't seen his latest one, Babylon. Did you ever watch that, Ezra? No, it's it's three hours. It's three I, hours. Yeah, I didn't know that. I want to watch it. I've I just, actually, I just heard from one of my coworkers that it's a, that it's good and that it's worth watching, but I just haven't yet. But it's a divisive one. I think it's kind of funny that people are like, I don't want to watch that three-hour movie, but then they'll watch eight seasons of twenty-four one-hour episodes, and then, but you can handle three hours. Yeah, but, I just don't want to like have to break it up oh i if see if i can avoid it i get it well i think that's interesting that yours are musical compositions created for the film yeah maybe maybe songs because maybe more. that's what appeals to me yeah <laughs> i would probably go with um simple minds don't you forget about oh me. yeah that's yeah. a great that was written for the movie that is one of the most iconic needle drops in you will film don't, history. don't understand the way we feel <laughs> and then you combine it with the freeze frame it's yeah, just and it's just perfection. Like, yeah, but one of the best movie endings of all time. Absolutely. And I, I feel like that really, um, as a teenager, it was just so, it just really spoke to how I felt. <laughs> I think I think it's true that like music Funny. can sometimes capture just, those feelings in a way that's hard for, like like the movie did too, but then the music is what ties it all together. And it, it gives you this thing that you can replay and feel those things again without having to watch the whole movie. Hmm. I think uh, as I was creating my list, I had these songs emerge that were songs that I probably wouldn't normally listen to style-wise, but then in the movie I really enjoyed them, like Man of Constant Sorrow from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And then I have a lot of like hip-hop ones on here, like Lose Yourself from 8 Mile and <laughs> Gangsta's Paradise from Dangerous Minds. And then I was talking to Nick about this this morning, but whoop that trick or it's hard out here for a pimp from hustle and flow (laughs) so these are songs that like are not would not be on my playlist but but it's different in the movie it it reminds me of the movie and a part of an emotion i had during the movie just like specifically while we're talking about hustle and flow like the scene where you just watch them write whoop that trick and it's like in one take and it just all comes together it's exciting. I like it's watching fun. them make music in movies. Yeah, I think a <laughs> director who's really good at that is John Carney, who did the movie Once. Right, Falling at, yeah. Slowly. Yeah. yeah. And then Begin Again and Sing Street, which are all like... Begin the, Again and Sing Street, I've seen. All like the exact same movie, but I like it every time. Those, those have great good. original songs, yeah. yeah. Right, and those are also songs you can walk away and enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's impressive too when they have a movie that's like a period type movie and then they tell them, you've got to write a song for this time period. And the musical artist is so familiar with the you know, genre conventions of that time period that they can put something together that 
you think actually came out of that time period. So for me, let me that try would to be guess like, what you're thinking of. Go ahead. Is it? Uh, I've got two that I'm thinking. Is of. it music and lyrics? Oh, yep, that's there. the pop, first one. Pop goes my heart. Pop yeah, goes pop goes my, my heart for music and lyrics. What's the other one? Uh, that thing Bride? you do. <laughs> that thing you, you do, do is what that's I actually say. the same guy who wrote both of those. Doing that thing you do Breaking my heart into a million pieces Like you always do He actually, sadly, died of COVID just um, a couple of years ago. Stacey, you've got a good one, too. Storybook Love by Mark Knopfler. Yes. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a great song. Well, I was thinking, I was just making a joke because that's a fairy tale setting. He yeah. knows that fairy tale so well. No, it actually. It, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a he's a genius at fairy tale music. He really understands that era. Yeah, sure does. It, it sounds like it. Yeah, it's, it's well, it's a very. If somebody well told you, you have to write a song for this era, what, what era would you be most comfortable writing a song for? <laughs> oh, man. Nick would be like I want to hear what Ezra says. Jazz was the raging. 30s. 90s, like pop rock song, like a Weezer song, something like that. Maybe that's just because that's what I'm working on right now. It's not because so you feel really, really my brain. depressed and, and want to be the next Radiohead. I said <laughs> pop rock. I wasn't going to be much more optimistic. I was going to do the grunge era. Yeah, I was <laughs> because then too. I could sing my own Pearl, songs without well, having to sound good. And the yeah. other thing is, like the lyrics, you just kind of like blend it all together, like Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I could do like a '30s union folk song. <laughs> do like a song? do like a Woody Guthrie thing. <laughs> That'd be good. That's, that makes sense. Speaking of Pearl Jam, I like it when my favorite artists are creating the entire soundtrack. Those are fun. Yeah, like Tom Petty doing "She's the One" or yeah, um, uh, Eddie Vedder doing "Into the Wild." Into the wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the movie, but. The soundtrack that Kendrick Lamar did for Black Panther. I think that's a that's really a, good soundtrack. That's, and they, that's I mean, another one that they dissect on that podcast I was talking about. Just like about. separate from the movie. It, I think it could stand alone. It's just like a good album. Well, is there is there anything we're missing that you guys wanted to bring up today before we I'm wrap just it shocked because I made a list and I can't believe that Ezra did not bring up Man or Muppet. Or was, Rainbow Connection. I was Let's waiting talk about it. for the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want right. to just throw it in there, but yeah, those are two. Were you going to try to work it in? Yeah. Oh, I, I remember, just... as you're saying, when I told him about the topic for this week, he was saying that he was going to bring up Man or Muppet. I was yeah. just waiting for it. I reflect on my reflection And I ask myself the question What's the right direction to go? I don't know. Well, it's a great song. Yeah. Arguably the best song ever written. <laughs> well, our, our, I think it's we, up there. I think we missed um, the Peanuts score when we were talking oh, about yes. Oh, yeah. I love we that. Vince well, Guaraldi. Last week, we, you were talking about how we, we just so missed the boat by not talking about Carrie or The Stand. Yeah. Too great. Um, I'm shocked that, like, Baby Driver didn't come up for you today. Baby that's, Driver's great. That's and a good favorite. I, I actually think was thinking of that. That's I just a really to talk about a different it. conversation. Than <laughs> that's a really creative, yeah, yeah, curated soundtrack. That's that's yeah. That's one thing we could have talked about. Can people. can we end with the worst original song in a film ever? 
worst original song, mm-hmm. you have a you have a good. Yeah. I'm gonna idea. go with you rain, go first. Raindrops keep falling on my head. <laughs> I like that song. The I like thirty that song. minute version of the Not song that's song. in Butch Cassidy. And maybe the maybe the thirty minute. Version is pushing is it. it. Is a it thirty minutes? No, it's not. It's not. I, well, <laughs> I don't you know remember me. it being that long. I'm a little overly dramatic. I think it's more like twenty eight minutes or something like that. <laughs> I don't. I. Don't, I it's fine. So, I, is that an original song? Was that written for that movie? Uh-huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, mom. Do you have one in mind that I don't like? Yeah, bad original song. Okay, I love Audrey Hepburn, but I I do not like um, uh, in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, I like that song. Uh, what is that I song? said, it's what moon, about yeah. that's breakfast at Tiffany's? It's Moon River. Moon River. Oh, that's like an old jazz standard. Oh, my. That's boring. <laughs> Just please stop. That's I bad. agree with you on Some that. of those old jazz ballads are like a little bit. All right, let's pick up the pace a little bit. If you turn the sound down in that scene, it's actually a better movie. I don't know if I can think of an original song that I really don't like. Yeah. Maybe some, some of the music <laughs> from Cats. Oh, there you go, man! Do, do they write a There's new an song for cats? They always you know they do, do that. That's a, they always do that. I mean, yeah. If we're just, just talking about musicals, musical. I mean, Cats is dumb. Uh, there was that movie. Um, musicals is a own beast. Yeah, we. That's a different. Yeah, that's category. a whole different yeah. category. If we're talking movies, um, and this might not count because I don't. I honestly don't know if these are songs from musicals, but they just had a movie with Andrew Garfield about the life of that one guy. Uh, the tick, 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 boom. boom. Yeah. Uh, and he was, yeah, he's like the creator of Rent and like a bunch of other musicals. Uh, I, I don't like Rent. And I, I don't know. I've never seen I it, thought, but the music in that movie I thought was a little bit bad. There's one that I, was, I liked. I feel like I just don't know enough about theater to appreciate that movie. Yeah. Plus, if I don't like theater, then why talk about it on the podcast? You know, it's just going to get negative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going to that. We'll get. I like Je- some we'll theater. We'll get Jeb Brannon in here. Well, we I like get... some theater. I mean, we talked about La La Land, which is basically a play in a lot of ways. Um, and then there's like Sound of Music and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So yeah, I'm not a theater hater. I'm just a bad, bad play hater. <laughs> Who, <laughs> Who is that face, mom? <laughs> <laughs> Are there, are there people who like play, bad plays? Um, um, hater. <laughs> I, I think everyone's a hater of bad, bad plays. Oh, <laughs> Anyways, no, but but I think okay. it's a good thing that it's harder to think of negative things because music is so important in movies, and there's a lot of good good scores and soundtracks out there. I could sit here and talk about them all day. But well, yeah. since we're kind of reaching the end here, I I thought it would be fun to talk about like the best cut to credit songs. Like, cut br- to credit songs. Yeah. Like mom brought this up a little earlier with Don't You Forget it? About Me. Oh, okay. Like the song that plays when the credits, when the credits roll. roll. Like just a, bring A lot of the times they'll home. take the song inside of the movie and then have someone else sing it at the end and the roll credits. And I always think, man, they should have just left it alone. If we're talking opening credits, we could talk about the James Bond songs, original songs. That's a That could be a whole... Other podcast. Yeah, Goldfinger was written for the movie. I know Skyfall. that. Skyfall. Skyfall. The Chris Cornell one. I like the new um, No Time to Die. Yeah, I like that song. one. Is that the Billie Eilish one? Yeah, that was good. I, I yeah, that was that good. Song. And then I like the one Jack White did. Yeah, the one Radiohead did that got cut from the movie. Um, a recent example. I can't really get into it in too much detail without spoiling the movie. But in Barbarian, Barbarian. <laughs> how did I know you were going to say that? I, I don't know. 
Uh, I just did. At the <laughs> end credits, they, they, they use the Ronettes Be My Baby. Yeah. And it's like, I can't, I feel like I need to spoil the movie to talk about it. I won't. Just I will just say that it. there's a maternal type of evil presence in that movie. And so the Be My Baby follows it's just like themes. so, like perfectly <laughs> yeah, on it, the nose. Also, I'm a little surprised no one's brought up Quentin Tarantino yet. Oh, yeah. Soundtrack. Uh, Pulp episode. Fiction is, I think, one of the best soundtracks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you just get through that opening scene and then the credits come up with Dick Dale and you're just like, bow, bow, wah, 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 wah. it's like, this is, <laughs> I'll put it in there. That wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got some really good and, and he's famous for, you know, going into his record collection and finding stuff that, yeah, really good I've heard he like that does that but even before he starts writing sometimes like to get inspiration, which is kind of cool. They actually have John Hughes uh, soundtracks in a playlist on Spotify because he chooses so many awesome. great, yeah. just, just kind of so epic songs. Mm-hmm. Like Peter Gabriel, Say Anything. Yeah, that's we just one. watched that. That's that's so good. Does Martin Scorsese have any good ones? I mean, he's good. He's got that. some great like. Um, Needle drops yeah. like like um, when They're, Layla comes in during all the dead bodies, or shipping, shipping up, up to Boston. Boston. In the <laughs> you guys are twinning again. <laughs> that, Get that, out of that my brain. A, that is a yeah. great one. I knew. I feel like say. I feel like that happens like ten times in the movie. I know it's not that many. Uh, but it even feels more like than it. once though. It's like <laughs> every few minutes you just hear that bomb bomb. Trent Reznor score. What is that? With The Killer. The Killer is Trent Reznor, yeah. So he's doing that. And I feel like working with David Fincher again, you could get some pretty good material from that. I mean, just the music that's in the trailer for that, you can tell he's going off again. Did you say Trent Reznor has done all of David Fincher's movies? Um, All of them since The Social Network. Oh, but not Seven or Alien 3. Okay. Or Zodiac. Did he do Zodiac? Did he do Gone Girl? Yes. Did he do Zodiac? <laughs> I just asked that. <laughs> if All it right. came out after the social network, he did it. Uh, who's who's in charge for our next episode? Um, I'm hosting next week. Uh, I think what we're going to do is, um, it's kind of a weird topic, but it's uh, live action movies that have mm. animals as a main character. <laughs> This so is going to be a rough one. <laughs> no, you, you're going to be surprised at right. how many there are. I'm excited. Do, and do we, Muppets count? Yeah. Does the Iron Giant count? No. no. Uh, we're, staying away, we're staying away from animated because almost every animated movie has an animal. Oh, that's so true. We're going live action. What about Bolt? No. Nope. That's animated. Oh, yeah. It's just so real. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll be talking about great films like uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. And um, Air Bud, yeah, Space Buddies, Gus the Donkey that kicks Spooky Buddies, <laughs> Treasure Buddies. Treasure. All right, let's not. Spoil oh yeah, everything. what is that movie with the donkey that kicks That's the called Gus. I thought I dreamed that. No, I showed you that movie <laughs> when yeah, you were a kid I, I and you had nightmares. That. 
I had nightmares. Yeah, so I, w- I did dream. So I probably showed you The Shining and Gus, and only one of those caused nightmares, <laughs> and it wasn't The Shining. Oh my gosh! Well, you showed us The Shining way. That's after so Gus, weird. To be fair, to those who are listening, stay tuned for next week when we talk about live action animals. Uh, you can find our episodes on Spotify, Apple Music, and on Thunder ninety one point one Radio. Uh, we should have our first. Our Stephen King episode should be airing this weekend. Thanks for listening. Once again, I'm Nick Stein. I'm Ezra. I'm their dad, Kevin. And I'm their mom, Stacy. Thanks for joining us, mom. I'm a star!